And I guess this is the challenge that most businesses face. Most businesses don't have a usable database. They don't have usable access. And what I mean by that is those customers are sitting inside Excel spreadsheets, in Outlook on Microsoft products. They're sitting in um, inventory control or MyOB systems uh, or Xero. They're not able to communicate efficiently because the systems don't support the customer relationship management side of things. Welcome to the Active Marketer Podcast, where we talk about how to design, automate, and scale your business to the next level using sales and marketing automation. You can find out all the tips, tactics, and techniques you need to get more customers and sell more stuff over at theactivemarketer.com. Now, here's your host, Barry Moore. Welcome back to the Active Marketer Podcast, episode number five. I'm your host, Barry Moore, and we are back to the interview format this week with a really exciting guest, John Logar. John Logar is a businessman and a consultant, and he also coaches consultants on how they can increase their business and find more customers. But what he's really great at is going into a business and identifying how they can be making more money. So one of the common objections that uh, I hear all the time about this marketing automation stuff is that, oh, we're a bricks and mortar business. We can't be using this online marketing stuff. just won't work for us. So I really wanted to dispel that myth. This is something that can be working for anybody, no matter what your business is. So in this particular uh, episode, John and I are going to talk about two really kind of specific um, examples that were used in traditional bricks and mortar businesses, um, coming in, setting up some marketing automation, setting up some email marketing, and getting the cash register to ring straight away. So if you want to talk about um, non-online business type businesses, uh, one of the case study examples here is an air conditioning company. It doesn't get any more bricks and mortar than that. And how he was able to go in there, send one email, and I think they make uh, about $180,000, bang, just like that. Uh, and the other one is a simple restaurant example. Um, you see those business cards in fishbowls all the time in restaurants. Well, if you're a restaurant owner and you have a fishbowl full of business cards, what are you doing with that information? So listen in and find out how you can turn those into cash. But first, some news and events. March 5th and 6th, I'll be down in Sydney uh, Manly at James Schramko Superfast Business Live event. So if you see me walking around down there and you want to chat marketing automation, by all means, come up and say good day. And today's guest, John Logar, is running his own event in Austin, Texas on March 7th and 8th. And you can find all the information about that over at consultingunleashedmasterclass.com. That's consultingunleashedmasterclass.com. Really worth your while if you're trying to grow your business. So uh, check it out for sure. And now on to the shameless social proof segment of the podcast where we read out some reviews from iTunes. We've got a couple of five-star reviews to read out. Um, this week, five stars from FaxLad13 in Australia. It says, focused, functional, and fun. It is hard to find specific, immediately usable information about an area that has far too much guff associated with it. Barry does a fine job of cutting through to the core information in an enjoyable yet highly technical and market-specific discussion with his guest. Highly recommended. Thank you very much, FaxLad13. I appreciate you taking the time to leave that. And we've got one more to read out here from Planet Naturopath in Australia. Five-star review makes complicated things sound easy. He says, the Active Marketer podcast has some really great info, which is broken down in an easy-to-understand way. Love the episodes with James Shremko and Shane Malach. 
looking forward to the upcoming episodes. Well, thank you very much, Planet Naturopath. We really appreciate you taking the time to stop by and leave a review. And if you guys out there would like to leave a review, you can head over to iTunes, leave us a review, and I'll read it out on a future show. So now, let's get into this week's episode with John Logar. All right, so I'd love to welcome John Logar to the show. John Logar's the, you know, the consultant's consultants. What this John doesn't know about business probably isn't worth knowing. So welcome to the show, John. Thanks for having me, Barry. I appreciate you inviting me along. Um, I think most of the listeners here are probably trying to figure out what business automation can actually do for their business. So, you know, you wouldn't go down to Bunnings or a hardware store and buy a bunch of tools and just bring it home and expect those tools to do something. You really got to know how to drive them. So what I'd like you to share with the listeners perhaps is some of the ways that a business can implement these kind of automation tools into their existing kind of business infrastructure, if that makes sense. Okay. Most businesses, uh, and I'm really glad you bring this point up, Barry, because most businesses are actually familiar with automation uh, in their business purely through the concept of the fact that they're actually using um, sometimes integrated software that is industry-related or niche-related to their business. They may be using accounting products or software um, that helps them with their, uh, their, their financials or with their inventory control. So most businesses, whether you're in retail or you're a service-based business, you are already using some form of automation. Automation um, through standard software uh, products that are available in the market. So some people have directed products that are aligned. Like for example, if you're in the trade industries, there are products that you know handle scheduling, invoicing, um, uh, customer management, ordering, and inventory control. So there there are levels of automation that most people are familiar with. Uh, if anybody's using Microsoft. Um, office products or Mac uh, uh, productivity software, they already understand email, they already understand um, uh, spreadsheets, you know, using um, uh, Office-type products. All these products have, um, I guess, slowly in the last 15 to 20 years have given us the ability to leverage and scale and do some incredible things. However, in what you've just shared, most businesses um get very confused because software can be daunting in, in and of itself or automation can be daunting. Um, so it's like, what do I choose? Um, I don't even know what questions to ask when I choose those types of products or services. Um, and so they're not thinking strategically in terms of their business. They're more reactive or responsive. So all of a sudden something will occur in a business, so, hey, we need something, right? Um, but we don't know what, so they then start to do the research and then you know the homework starts. So automation, yes, I think people know it's very important. I think a lot of people have the misconception that automation is very expensive. In the past, that was true. Today, it is far uh, cheaper to automate and systemize than ever before because there are ready-made products that kind of do that for you in, in a lot of cases. Um, so building your standard operating procedures, there are products already out there that have those procedures built into them. So it's almost like plug and play for a lot of uh, a lot of businesses. So price points are something that people have been concerned about in the past. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there. I think in the last couple of years, maybe last two years, mm-hmm. um, this kind of marketing automation that we talk about here is was just some black dark mystic art that was cost tens of thousands of dollars to implement and yeah. in the last couple of years it's it's kind of come to the forefront of maybe not maybe not consumer level but certainly it's accessible to pretty much any business now at a price point that can be affordable if you're turning it into an ROI result at the end of it mm. and um yeah i think the the danger becomes um 
for smaller businesses, small to medium enterprise type businesses is they think it's too inaccessible or too difficult or too mysterious and they don't want to do it and they're just going to get left behind. This is the, what you're talking about is the head in the sand syndrome. You know, I don't know what I don't know. And if I don't know, don't know it, it can't hurt me. And so I'll stick my head in the sand. It's like internet marketing. Um, if we're familiar with the concepts of paid advertising or pay-per-click and Facebook advertising and, and, um, and email marketing, we're familiar with those concepts. If we don't understand the technology that drives that um, or we don't understand the opportunity that that can create in terms of uh, our business as a platform, um, most businesses are sticking their heads in the sand because they just they don't know what they don't know. And so by not doing anything, um, they feel like that's doing something, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, and look, people are starting to, to experience um, uh, different pressures at the moment. I mean, I've, I've known, uh, you know, working with a lot of different industries, one of the questions I'm asking is how is the internet impacting on your business? You know, what, what have you seen? What changes have you seen? And they're saying uh, customers are more educated. They're asking more questions. They're actually um, viewing more options. Uh, you know, I was in a retail store it's funny, I was in a major retail chain. I'm standing there in the store and I'm standing next to a person who's on their iPad looking at another store's shopping cart, comparing prices to the product in the store that they're standing in. Yeah, absolutely. You know? So think- even though they're in, they're in the location to purchase a product, yet they're sitting there saying, is this the best value for the same product? You know, Can I get it elsewhere? Right. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, customers are changing, behaviors are changing, and the internet has, has literally uh, leveled the playing field for a lot of businesses as well. Absolutely. If you want proof positive of that, just look at Best Buy in the United States, right? Everyone says it's it's basically just turned into the Amazon showroom, right? People go in there and they can touch and feel the products and sit in front of the TV and see what a great picture it has, and then they just get on their iPad or their iPhone and buy it from Amazon for you know a fraction of the price or 10 20% less than they can get it in yeah. the store. So yeah, they've absolutely. just become de facto showrooms for online vendors. And also, you know, the, the same kind of model... Absolutely. The same kind of model applies to that the corner DVD shop, you know, with the with the advent of digital delivery of movies and television shows. And it's if if they keep their head in the sand and they just go, well, geez, business is off. I need to advertise more in the local newspaper or <laughs> or whatever. It's not going to solve their problem. Yeah. Solve their problem. The market is yeah. changing. So I guess it really comes down to whether you see change as yeah. an opportunity or or as something to be feared. I guess absolutely. And a big part of that also, and you you know you bring up a really important point is when you start understanding the behavior of your customers, when you start paying attention to them, um, then you can start to adapt uh, and and actually look at ways of adding value. And, uh, you know, even in the DVD world, there there will be businesses that will survive in that world, but what they're going to do is they're going to niche down to their customers. You know, some DVD stores will remain open because they know their customers. Their customers know, love, and trust them for their service, they will never go to other options, and they'll actually niche down. As, you know, same thing happened in the um, is happening in the book industry. A lot of the bigger players are moving online. Uh, in fact, recently in the United States, I think the only bookstore chain bookstore that I ever came across is now is Barnes and Noble. They still have their their chain stores. Um, for how long, I don't know. But uh, however, um, all these smaller bookshops are starting to appear. You know, traditional niche type uh, bookstores seem to be building relationships with their customers and starting to build a customer base where they're um, delivering a specific product to a market that has a very specific interest. And for businesses, this is a real um, 
opportunity. It's a real signal to, to, to you can build a great business out of niching your business. Um, but just to loop back to that DVD thing for, uh, for a second, um, yeah, there, there will be DVD uh, vendors who thrive and survive through the changing marketplace, but those would be the ones that do exactly what we talk about here at theactivemarketer.com. Is if they design, automate, and scale their business, well, then they can still survive. So what you're seeing now is the close down of those those. Mm-hmm corner shops and you're seeing dvd vending machines everywhere you see them in the, in the grocery store you see them uh, you know yeah. busy sidewalks so they've just changed yeah. their business model to automate it more um and they're still making money you know and yeah. they don't have the overhead of having a huge shop so. yeah yeah and they're carrying less product and the product is current relevant product um and so they're able to distribute or shift their product fairly quickly through those vending machines um but you know at, like there will be a point where uh, you know, there's still a market for um, customer service, you know, where you have direct contact with a human being. Um, so, yeah, so that point of things are changing. Um, I think industries are shifting right across the board. It's not something that is unique to high-touch uh, type businesses like retail, purely because of access to information and electronic information, essentially through the internet. But the biggest challenge that most businesses face is being able to utilize their customer base efficiently and effectively um, in a way that helps them grow Uh, because they really need to start thinking about what Seth Godin talked about um, uh, a few years back was that concept of the tribe. Um, If you're a small business, you want to build a tribe of customers and to build that tribe, you need to understand who they are, what they like, what they don't like, how your product or service gives them the best possible result, whether you solve a problem or you give them pleasure in in the way that you deal with your clients. Um, And in doing that, and I guess this is the challenge that most businesses face, most businesses don't have a usable database. The second thing is most people's databases are relatively small. Small businesses on average, and I say a small business is from, say, you know, 100000 to $5 million, those businesses will have uh, on average between, in terms of access that they can have, between 600 customers that they can have access to up to about two to 3,000 customers that they would have access to. And even at that two to 3,000 level, they might only, only have 600 to 800 email addresses, right? Um, so they're not... They don't have usable access. And what I mean by that is those customers are sitting inside Excel spreadsheets, in Outlook, on Microsoft products. They're sitting in um, inventory control or MyOB systems uh, or zero accounting systems where they've got the details of the customer um, in those systems. But in those integrated systems in and of themselves, they're not able to communicate efficiently because the systems don't support um, uh, the customer relationship management side of things. So even CRM products, some CRM products don't allow you to email from within the product. You have to integrate an external product to be able to email your customers in CRM. Now that's changing for a lot of CRM, especially those that are, those that are online already do that integration. But package software like the uh, original CRMs that we saw from the Microsoft range and um, from other types of services didn't have that integration. So the biggest problems that most business people have, and, and it's not a big problem to overcome, by the way, is what they need to do is sit down and say, let's look at our customers and let's extract those customers, put them into a usable format, right, and then upload that usable format into a tool that allows us to communicate with multiple customers at one at the same time. And even in doing so, being able to segment our customers and try and test different messages so we can improve our marketing and get much better results. And automation tools 
uh, um, right now uh, that are very affordable enable you to do that quite exceptionally well. Yeah, I hear that a lot from people. They say, you know, I can't get started with this. We don't have a database. And I'm like, we have customers. (laughs) So um, those customers usually end up um, you know, as an island of data somewhere in some system. So it might be their inventory system or their point of sale system or something. Those that those customer records are somewhere. You're right. You just got to get them out and get them into the right tool so that you can start addressing those customers. But but the first thing you need to do is start gathering new ones, right? So if your website doesn't have the ability to gather someone's email address, that's probably the very first step you need to do. You need to have some form of, um, and the other thing that I, I'll point out because you brought up a really good point of being able to capture details. Um, uh, the one thing I recommend is for people not to offer a newsletter on their website, um, and the reason why I say that is is because nobody actually wants to opt in for another newsletter. Yeah, nobody. They don't convert. They don't convert to. No, I'm, I'm not looking to add to my email count of the 200 emails that I get a day um, from subscriptions that I subscribe to. Um, so they need to think about what is of what they can provide that has value, um, and they need to put that on their site. And, and when they're looking at their website, they need to consi- take into consideration when a customer comes to their site, what are they looking for? What is the action that the company wants the customer to take? What are they offering the customer that the customer is wanting to engage with? So whether they're providing an incentive, um, you know, all we need to do is look at sites like Amazon and ASOS and look at some of the great retail online stores. SurfStitch is another perfect, perfect example here in Australia um, for the Australian audiences. If you go to their site, if you look at the top fold of their site, it is all driven towards the selective market of their customer. They're making offers, they're providing incentives, they're they're looking at value adds. They're saying, hey, you know, they're not giving away product or giving away discounts. They're they're also saying, hey, be the first to get access to this information. Yeah. So they're providing an incentive for people to leave information. And then what they're doing then is through automation, which is what you just meant, by using a thing like an autoresponder or an email service, they're starting to follow that up with regular communication so they can build a relationship with those customers. Yeah, and even if you consider yourself to be maybe more of a traditional non-digital type business, you can still do this stuff. I mean, the, the people who do this really well, I think, in the in the kind of offline space are Bunnings, you know, the hardware store here in Australia that, you know, they sell tools and they sell building materials, et cetera, et cetera. But if you go into a Bunnings, like every couple of hours, they're running a course on how you tile a floor or how you build a fence or, um, you know, so how you use the products you might buy in their store. So you could do the same thing online. Bunnings could turn all those courses into digital online video series, get people to opt in for, yeah, opt in for how to build a how to build a deck video series, right? So much, 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 much more valuable than a than um, a traditional newsletter, and then you can track all that stuff in your in your automation platform, like the Active Campaign or Infusionsoft or whatever, and you can yep. see who's just finished the course, right? So if they just yep. finished the last video, now it's time to sell them on uh, you know some new fence posts or a new hammer or some new tools or give them a coupon to come in and buy something. So you know, even if you consider yourself an oh I'm just a builder or I'm just you know mm-hmm. a traditional retailer, I can't do this stuff. There's an infinite number of ways you can get started. Look at Lululemon yoga classes in their yoga yeah, <laughs> you know, um, bring the community into a traditional retail environment and give them and add value with services. I mean, to take old school, let's let's go old school with the fact that I don't have customers, but I'd like to build customers. If we look at, say, a tradition, let's say a restaurant, if we're looking at restaurants, okay, um, restaurants live and die by their customers. You know, it's all about 
putting bums on seats and getting people to buy the food, yeah, yeah. and drinking drinks. Um, we've all seen the traditional fishbowl with the business cards in the fishbowl, okay? And so I'll, I'll share with a simple story. Um, uh, this is uh, this is a true story. Um, a particular restaurant here in Australia, I was I was sitting at. They have the fishbowl in their restaurant. They were collecting local business cards, and uh, I had a great meal. And I asked the restaurateur, I said, "What do you do with the cards?" I said, "Oh, we generally once a month we pick one out and we give away a free meal." I said, "No, no. I asked you, what do you do with the cards? Like, what what happens with these business cards, right?" And he says, "Oh, we've got boxes of them out the back." <laughs> I said. Um, what do you mean you've got boxes of them out the back? I said, well, no, no, we've got literally we've got shoe boxes of business cards we've been collecting. I said, how, much, how long have you been doing this for? I said, well, we've been open for, you know, two years. We know, you know, it's important for us to, to you know, get people uh, on our thing. We've had two years worth of boxes of business cards, right? And I said, do you mind showing me? Like, take, you know, is it okay if I come out and have a look? And so this was in his office Behind his office, there was a bookshelf, and in that bookshelf, all you saw were these different types of book uh, uh, shoe boxes. And every shoe box, they weren't even stuck together and you know, like with rubber bands. They were literally just tossed in a mess into the boxes, right? And I said, "Why don't you take these things, get a uni kid to put these cards into a spreadsheet so that you can upload them into?" you know, an automated email system and send an email inviting people to your quiet evenings to enjoy some of the food you got. And he says, oh, we don't have time for that. I said, no, you don't understand. What if you got somebody else to do that for you? What's a customer actually worth to you? What do they spend when they come here? So, well, average customer will spend, you know, $70, $80, you know, if, if, or average sale is between $80 and $150. So, for every business card in there, if you said that they were worth between $80 and $150 because they've already spent that when they've come here, do you think that they'd come back again if you invited them back? And he said, well, of course they would. So I said, what's, what's a table of 10 worth to you? He said, $1,500. I said, if you took half of that $1,500, gave it to a kid to put all this data, you don't even, they didn't have to type it out. They could just scan it into a scanner now. There's a free app on, uh, 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 called BizCard Biz Scan where you just scan every business card and it automatically puts it in a spreadsheet. I said, you just give the kid the app scan the cards, and the Lord make you put all those cards into a spreadsheet, all the emails, and then you can just upload it and just send one offer. He said, that's a really cool idea, but I don't have time, right? Oh, this, man. Was, this was his response, right? So in the end, I said, hey, I'll tell you what, give me one of the shoe boxes. I'll do it for you for nothing. I just want to show you this, right? Because I thought this is an opportunity too good to miss. So I took a shoe box and I did exactly what I suggested he do. I actually... I had a high school kid. I said, listen, kid, I need you to do this. Scan all these cards, put them in a spreadsheet. Um, when you've done that, just email me this, the, the file um, and then I upload it into a, uh, an email um, product, an email uh, software product. Um, and it was, it was like uh, 250 names, right? And um, so I went to the restaurant, said, look, and I had a USB stick. And I said, I've got the list on the stick, but I've set up this account for you. All the names are here what offer do you want to send out to this list? He says, what do you mean, what offer? So what do you got right now? What are you, what are you pitching? You know, what are you, what are you making uh, as an offer right now? He says, oh, we're doing a, on a Tuesday night, we're doing um, where if you buy one dessert, you, you get one free, right? Um, I said, how much are your desserts? He says, uh, you know, they're $18 for a dessert, okay? Pretty expensive dessert. Um, so instead of buy one, get one free, why don't we give them 20 bucks? 
right, cash to spend there on their dessert. You're giving it away anyway. You might as well give them 20 bucks, right? So we did, what we did was we just wrote a very quick email saying, hey, thanks for coming back to, you know, thanks for dining at our restaurant or enjoying experience at our restaurant. Um, you know, we were about to go and spend a lot of money on local letterbox drops and, and brochures and flyers. And instead of doing that, we thought we'd give you the money instead. So here's $20 that you can spend at our restaurant uh, to have your dessert. And right now we've got these cool new desserts. So it was a really simple email, right? Um, all I had to do was um, hit reply to book if they want to book a table, yep. right? Um, or print the email out and bring it in with them, right? Um, and then I left it at that. We, I ran, you know, it didn't take very long to do that, send it out, and I didn't, I just left it at that basically. I, I, I walked away. Um, and, uh, and I thought I'll leave it for a week and just see what happens, right? Um, two days later, he calls me and he says, um, we've had 17 people <laughs> come back to us, uh, with this thing, with, with the, with the, um, the email and, um, and we've got like five people, uh, who actually booked off the email itself. Like when they hit reply, hit, yes, we'd like to book a, a table, um, which caused a problem for them because they didn't know how to handle those bookings. Right, because they didn't have a system, uh, an automated system to handle um, bookings online for their restaurant. Yeah. Um, however, he says, "Yeah, we've had seventeen people." I said, "Now multiply seventeen by seventy dollars." Right. I said, "We were in your office for fifteen minutes, and that fifteen minutes generated nearly eighteen hundred dollars for you." Fantastic. Yeah. There's that. so much opportunity people just overlook every single yeah. day. Well, now he's got all those shoe boxes in a database now, and he they're regularly sending out offers. And right now, all their quiet periods are busy, so it's not hard. That's old school. Um, uh, there are easier ways, like you say, putting uh, an opportunity for people to capture information details on their websites. Um, but the other thing also is they just need to get to know their customers a little bit better and and look at what their customers are buying. You know, if you've got your inventory inventory controlled software. It's very easy to extract a report out of that or get your accountant to an extractor report for you saying, hey, who are our top customers? Who are buying regularly? How much are they spending? Because then you can identify who that customer is and start to look at how you market um, to that marketplace. First of all, to them first, uh, because you should always be offering something to your existing customers and this is a thing that most businesses don't do. And if you're listening out there and you're in business, the first thing that I would do is go and send an email to your existing customers saying, hey, would you like to buy some more? make an offer, okay, because you'll be surprised. Some people will actually come back and say, hey, funny you should send this email. I was thinking about buying some stuff from you, okay. Um, but most people don't offer regularly and they're not offering the things that their customers are looking for. So the first place I would look is in your current customer base, look at what they're spending, how much they're spending, how often they spend it, right, and then create an offer around those behaviours and you'll be surprised that you'll start to see more people buying your product. I mean, I worked with a plumbing company and we did that exact thing that I've just shared. We looked at their customer base, we looked at what they were spending, how often they were spending, um, and we realized that a lot, they realized just through that simple analysis, that a lot of customers that were purchasing a particular product had not thought of a, another service that they could attach to that um, as an upsell uh, that would support the initial purchase. So they started marketing the extra service saying, hey, you bought this from us, by the way, you could have, um, you know, to make that better or to improve that or get a better result or, or, or um, you know, to make sure that that lasts longer, um, you need this, 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, increase your average transaction yeah. value and you don't need any more customers, right? That one idea increased their business on a month-to-month basis by more than 30%. Fantastic. Mm. Um, and that's another crazy thing. You, you know, you, you, you mentioned making offers there. It's another insane thing I hear from people. It's like, oh, we need to get more people onto the database. We need to get more people onto our database. And I'll say, oh, okay, well, you're gathering people. That's a great first step. How many people do you have on your database? Oh, 5,000 or 3,000 or whatever it is. I'm like, all right, when's the last time you emailed them out? How often do you email them? Uh, maybe like a couple months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, why do you want to gather more for if you're not doing anything with the people you already have on that list, right? So, yeah, you're right. Craft an offer and get it in front of people. That's how I you mean- make money. To give it, to, to keep it even simple, to give you really an, a simple analogy, uh, you talk about customers that have three and 4,000 people on the list. Uh, you know, I, I worked with a customer or a client that only had 100 customers on their list. They had 100 emails. That's it, right? Their average sale of their product was $35,000. 35 to, to 55000 was their average sale. Um, and so uh, they said, well, we've only got 100 customers, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen with 100 customers? I said, well, I'll tell you what, let's write an email and what have you got that you want to get rid of, right? So they said, well, we need to get rid of, we've had these four massive air conditioning units sitting here. They're all refurbished, ready to go. But, you know, they, they normally, you know, at retail, these things would cost like $130,000. But we got them for nothing. Um, but, you know, you know, we can even offer a three-year warranty on them, like a brand-new warranty, um, and we can sell them for like $60,000. Right, and I said, "So, how many you got?" He said, "Well, we got." I said, "So, let's put an email out to those hundred people and say, listen, we've got six of these units. They're normally worth one hundred thirty grand. They're totally reconditioned. We're going to give them your brand new warranty for three years. You can have them for sixty grand. But I've only got six. So, first in, first first serve. Right? Yeah. Within two weeks, every unit was gone. Awesome. To a list of a hundred. And they'd never experienced this before. They thought we never thought to <laughs> go to our existing customers." To offer them something that we that they would have originally, what would happen with that product is they would actually take those um, air, air conditioning units, strip them for parts, and it probably end up being worth like five or ten grand to them, wow. right? Um, whereas this way, they reconditioned them, made them like brand new, gave them a brand new warranty, um, and like you know, it's virtually you're getting a brand new product for half the price, right? And they was you know they would service the product as part of the deal, so. Um, so, yeah, so here the, the profit margin, because these machines were actually taken out of an existing uh, um, facility, um, they were in great working order. You know, they were, they were perfectly okay to be out there to be, you know, working for the next 10 years. Um, so instead of stripping them out, I said, well, why would you strip them out? Why don't you recondition them and sell them off? But if you're going to sell them off, why don't we, you know, so, well, we've only got 100 emails. Well, here's... You only need six people, right? <laughs> Yeah, we only had six people. They sold them in two weeks. Like one customer bought three of them. So the one customer bought uh, $180,000 worth of air conditioning units. That's um, and the cash, by the way, the profit on that was huge, huge. Well, that's fantastic. There's two really important lessons there, I think, to loop back to. One is the fact that, you know, as you mentioned, you don't need thousands of people on your list to start selling. You only need... Well, you only need one person, really, and and the appropriate offer for that one person. But, um, and then the other thing is that you know there are opportunities sitting under everybody's nose, and I think people get too wound up in the day to day grind of doing whatever it is they do for a living that they don't actually see those opportunities. And that's where having an external partner who's got a pair of fresh eyes actually helps quite a lot. Absolutely. All right, so John, uh, we might be time to wrap this one up. Um, So, for the traditional business owner out there, what are the what are two steps they can take away to get started straight away? 
number one, if you've got email addresses and you've got the name of the person, extract those, get those out and put them on a list, number one. And the second thing I do is construct an offer. If you've got something that you'd like to get rid of or move, um, if you've got a premium product that you want to share with that, with that email list, make an offer. Make an exclusive offer to that list. So all you've got to do is, is uh, either find somebody. It's, you know, if you don't have the skills or the knowledge, it's really easy to ask the question of somebody else to say, look, can we get our email list or however many emails we have? Um, let's put them in a list. Let's put the name in. Um, and let's send out an offer to this group. One offer. So the first thing I would re- first thing is get the list. Second thing is um, send out an email that offers your product or service uh, that has some sense of value um, to your list. Yep, fantastic. You can't sell anything if nobody knows about it, right? Yeah, the more offers you make, the more money you make. Fantastic. All right, John. Um, we might wrap it up here. And where can people find out more about you and get in touch with you? Um, if you can, if you want to, uh, probably the best thing to do would be go to uh, www.consultingunleashed.com, um, and there's a whole bunch of free stuff and ideas and strategies and tactics that people can uh, get access to from that website. Okay, fantastic. And you also run a podcast as well, too, don't you? I do. I have businessunleashed.com, which uh, basically uh, talks about a lot of the tactics and strategies I've just shared and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, it's businessunleashed.com. Great. Thanks for coming on, John. Some gold nuggets there, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Barry. Thanks. Well, there you go. Some really great information from John there and proof positive that you can be using this marketing automation stuff in any type of business. Um, So many businesses out there are just doing nothing with the contacts they have. So get them into a system and start making some offers to your customers. I'd love to hear how you're using marketing automation in your business. So if you want to head over to the show notes at theactivemarketer.com forward slash John Logar, that's L-O-G-A-R. All the show notes will be there. And I'd love you to scroll down to the bottom in the comment section. Tell me how you're using marketing automation in your business. What kind of offers are you making today to your customers? And what are the results been? Love to hear about it. Also, if you can do me a favor, this is a new podcast, so we want to get it out in front of as many people as possible. So if you could just share this with someone who you think would find it useful, I would really appreciate it. And if you head over to iTunes and subscribe, we've got a really great interview coming up next week that you're not going to want to miss, and that is with Andre Chaperone. Andre Chaperone is widely known for his autoresponder madness product and technique and using storytelling and soap opera sequences in your emails to get people hooked on your message. So I was really, really fortunate to have him on the show. He's kind of reclusive and doesn't do a lot of interviews. So don't miss that episode. It's coming up next. So go over to iTunes and subscribe to make sure it goes straight to your phone or straight to your iPad. That's all I've got for this week. Thanks for tuning in, everybody, and we'll see you on the next show. Thanks for listening to the Active Marketer Podcast. You can find the show notes and all the latest marketing automation news over at theactivemarketer.com.